What about the world? Do you love the things in it? Do those things control your desires? What about God? Do you love Him? Does your heart desire Him? As we continue in our study in 1 John, these are some questions we need to be asking ourselves. Let me say those again. Do you love the things in the world and do they control your desires? Do you love God and do you desire Him? Last week we looked at our assurance as believers and saw that John was giving encouragement to the church who may have been having some doubts about their status with God. We saw that our sins have been forgiven, that we have power from the Holy Spirit, and that we have Jesus who is our advocate. With this in mind, John continues to address some confusion that was probably arising from those people who had separated from the church. They were out there in the world saying they could do the things of the world and love the world along with loving God. We're going to see that John tells us clearly that that's not possible. It's impossible to love both God and the world. We'll examine three worldly elements that ensnare our hearts when we love the world. And finally, we'll see that even though these vices seem to be increasing and the world just seems to be getting worse and worse, we have hope in Jesus Christ that they're all passing away. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 2, uh, verses 15 through 17 this morning. And we found out that that's on separate pages in certain Bibles you have out there on your row. So it could be on page 707 or 877. Uh, while you're turning there, if you could just stand with me while we read God's Word. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Guys, pray with me. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you uh, just that we can come together and worship you. Lord, as we uh, dig into your word, Lord, help us uh, uh, soften our heart. Lord, just soften our hearts and give us uh, eyes to see uh, what you would have us to see this morning. Lord, just uh, give us a clear mind to understand what you're saying to us and, and just uh, transform our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first thing you might be saying there is, well, John's contradicting himself by saying, don't love the world. Because in his gospel, he wrote about Jesus saying, for God so loved the world. Or you might say, well, didn't God make the world? As he, and God said the world was good and the things in it were good. So why is he saying the things in the world are not from God? Well, in verse 16, it gives us a clear you know, he gives us a clear uh, picture of what's not from the Father, but we still need to look and see what John means by the world or the things in the world. A few weeks ago, Chris talked about this uh, and used a great explanation that I'm, I'm going to steal it and just use the same one. John uses the word world in many different ways in his writing. So in John 3.16, world is kind of meaning like the nations of people. When the world comes to Rio for the Olympics next year, not every person in the world will be there. It's just a representation of the world. 
So pretty much Jesus is saying, for God to love people from every nation, or he loves so much, he will call people from every nation, and if they believe in him, they will not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus was not saying, for God to love the world, so God so loved every person that he would save them all. That's universalism, and the Bible clearly teaches against that. But that meaning of the world from John 3.16 still doesn't really seem like the right definition. How John's using the world here. He's definitely not saying, do not love people from all the nations, as that would be in direct opposition as to what Jesus called his disciples and us to do. In the Great Commission, he said, Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What John's referring to here are the things in the world, the pleasures and the desires that are obstacles to loving God. He's saying, Do not crave or be content, or do not be fond of the pleasures of the world, the desires of human nature. We're so inclined to follow these frail, fleeting desires. Like a small child thinking, hey, it's okay if I go play with this lion. He's not thinking, you know, about the lion's thought is, that's dinner. You know, it's not cute and cuddly or sweet, and neither are the desires of the world. The intimate death and destruction that the things of the world brings is hidden behind our desire to feel good. It's so easy to get caught up in the next big culture movement and be okay with it because, you know, I want to be accepted and justified by those around me. In Luke 16, 15, we are given a clear picture of what God thinks about how mankind exalts these pleasures and cravings of the flesh and how man tries to justify himself based on outward appearances. This verse is just a few verses after Jesus is talking to the Pharisees here and addressing how one cannot serve two masters. Can you bring me my water? <laughs> it's fine under that chair there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks. So Jesus is saying here, he says, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Look at the world today. What is being exalted? Let me read that last part of that verse again. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. What are the droves of peop- Where are the droves of people going today? What are people devoted to? As Christians, we must watch what and who we are following. We must look at our hearts and really test what our devotions are to. We can't love the things of the world and love God at the same time. If we're content with the world and where it's going, what does that say about our understanding of God? We're either not trusting that God is so much better than these evil desires, or we don't really understand the depth of our sin and how much Christ Paid for our redemption. Do you find yourself exalting things that God despises? That's a tough question, but something we need to wrestle with. Do you exalt things that God despises? John is urging the church then and urging us now to love God and not the world. 
Because it's impossible to have the love of the Father or have his affections in us if our devotion is to the world. And one more thing I want to make clear here is John is not saying we can't enjoy creation or the things that are from God because God created it and said it was good. We have freedom to enjoy what God has given us. Here at Redeemer, we have three views on how we can enjoy the thing, these things, or if we can enjoy these things. First, the things that are directly from God, we can receive them and enjoy them. They're for good. Thing. They're for good. Our homes, our jobs, our cars, even the internet, all these things are not inherently evil. They become evil, but those in themselves are not. They can be used for good things. Second, there's the things that can be redeemed, then enjoyed the way God intended. Some of those things include sex. If we look at that the way the culture does, it needs to be redeemed in the way that God says it should be. What about food and drink? Those can be abused and used in ways that are not biblical. This is really how we can be on mission here in Bloomington. Believers, we're called to be the salt of the earth Let's sprinkle salt all over Bloomington and work with God to redeem our community from our neighborhoods to the farmer's market to the film and beer festival to um, the strawberry shortcake festival. Let's shake out the gospel like never before. Thirdly, there are things that we must reject. Things that we cannot in any way make good like pornography. In no way, shape, or form can this be received or redeemed for good. It must be rejected. So moving on to verse 16, we see the three elements that make up everything in the world that are not from the Father. These first two are the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes. The third is the pride of life or the boasting or assurance in and the safeties in one's possessions. So the desires of the flesh relate to our kind of fallen human nature. God made us to have holy desires. Desires are not bad. But when humanity fell, those desires became twisted and warped. It's visible today in the world. If we are not focused on making much of ourselves, the world looks at us as we're strange and you're kind of weird. Why are you not doing things for you to make yourself built up? You know, the world tells us it's okay to act on those human desires. Go ahead, sleep around, enjoy life. You don't have to get married to enjoy each other. Until you find someone else, just hang out. Or maybe don't tell your wife or your husband you looked at that. Or that you're struggling in temptations. Just keep it a secret. That way, there won't be any trouble. Let me tell you right now, that's a lie from the pit and the beginning of a lot more troubles and much darker and deeper sin. Once you dive into the human desires, you can't get enough. And the desires of the eyes are feeding you things, feeding you more imaginary hope. You start seeing the things that you really think you need to have value. Repent. And confess where you need to now. I 
in the commentaries on 1 John, these first two elements are called the unholy desires for things that one has not. John is calling the church to desire God and not the world. This follows right along with the call not to love the world. If we're desiring the world and the things in it, we cannot, alongside those desires, desire a holy God. Those desires are total opposites. The third element John says in the world is the pride of life, the boasting in material possessions. Again, the commentary says this element is the unholy pride in things that one has. So in short, John is saying depending on and relying on our resources to gain life or have value or find favor in the world, those are not from God. No matter how much or how little you have, it has no eternal effect. Jesus said, what does a man gain if he obtains the entire world but loses his soul? Possessions will not gain salvation. Obviously, though, today in the world, the desires uh, of our eyes tell us a different story. We see the high rollers, and we are told by the media that's where we should strive to be. That once we get that next better-paying job, or we hit the jackpot, that we're going to have assurance of safety. If we're honest in this room, most of us are pretty rich. And at times, we think we need just a little bit more. And then we'll be okay. But we still do rest in our possessions and look to them to find value. We look at our bank accounts and we say, well, the paycheck came in, I can eat, and I can pay the bills. In that, though, where are we putting our trust? Not in God, but in our ability to make a living. Feed ourselves and pay the bills. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't work. And take care of ourselves. Because we're called to do that. But it's weighted by the way we put our trust in those things. We should abide in God and not the world. Our security and assurance should be in God alone. When we love him and understand him. and We can know that we are safe. That his plans are so much better than the silly plans that we think are so awesome. We can have a new view of these resources and possessions as gifts from God rather than things we grab onto and hold onto. In this, we've all failed in loving God and desiring God and abiding in God. If you're in here today, you undoubtedly will fail again. But if you're a Christian, remember you're forgiven and the Holy Spirit is refining you daily. If you're not a Christian, I want you to hear today the world is broken. And it's not okay. And I think you'll agree with me that it's broken. And it needs to be fixed. But more than that, I want you to hear that it, more than needing to be fixed, I want you to hear that God wants to be fixed. For from the beginning, God knew that man would fall in the garden and be eternally separated from him. And given over to the desires of the world. This is why God sent Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, to live in this broken world just as we are. But unlike us, he lived the perfect sinless life that we could never live. He perfectly loved his Father. He perfectly abided in his Father. And he perfectly desired his Father. 
In this he had everything. But he freely gave his life on the cross to pay the debt we owed God for our rebellion. He rose three days later and now sits at the right hand of God as an advocate for his people. If you're in the room, hear that this life is freely given. When God sees a Christian, he sees someone who perfectly loves him, who desires him, and abides in him because of the work Jesus did on the cross. This is a free gift that's given not based on works, our, obedient, our perfect obedience, just seeing our desperate need for Jesus and believing and putting our trust in his life, death, and resurrection gives us the ability to do the will of God, not the world. And, what, and whoever does the will of God abides forever. So you may ask, well, what's the will of God? Jesus summed it up really plainly. It is love God and love your neighbor. Okay, we can all love our neighbor, at least when we like them. But in Romans, Paul says that no one seeks or desires God. If that's true, how can we love him then? The answer is in John 44. Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who is sent draws him. Jesus speaking here and saying, unless God changes the heart, no one can put their faith in him. God must make us love God. When we've seen that if we do not love God, but love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. This should be reason enough for believers to not fall into the trap of following the world and its desires. But John gives us another reason in verse 17 that should further assure us that we should be resting in God and not the world. And that is, the desires of the world are passing away. The things of the world, the evil things, the hurt, the pain, the suffering, and the brokenness. It's all going away. It's disappearing. Paul says in Romans 6.23, he says, For the wages of sin is death. And we can sum that up by saying following and resting in the world will bring death. But we can't stop right there because the rest of that verse finishes. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Not just life sometime in the future, but life right now. This is really hard to see sometimes because these desires of the world are getting worse, it seems like. The directions the world is going is just... It's going off the cliff. It's easier to remove ourselves, probably, and just say, eh, I'm just going to go over here, and they can do their thing, and I'm going to do my thing and not worry about it. But that's not what we're called to do. As I said earlier, believers, you are the salt of Bloomington, or wherever God places you. Look back at your life and see how God has been transforming you in your walk. Not only are those desires and cravings of the world going to be completely gone one day, they're being transformed right now. They're going away in your life now. As your heart is continually changed, a little smart part of creation is restored. You, if you're a believer in here, you're a little part of creation that's being restored right now. 
Believers, your battles with sin and the victories you have are visible signs that the cravings are passing away. Church, love God and you will desire God. Abide in God and you can do the will of God and you will live forever. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning that we can just come to you and we can uh, dig into your word and search our hearts uh, for where we do not desire you, where we do not love you, and where we do not abide in you. Lord, just help us to see those places in our life and to look and put our trust in you and know that you are making them pass away. Just be with us as we continue to worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.